And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Listen, we're here, okay? <laughs> That's all I got for you this morning. No! Welcome to the party. The money party. Financial Fitness Friday. Rich Rosso, Danny Ratliff, CFP. A British woman squandered $2.2 million in lottery winnings in just eight years. And Danny, she says she doesn't regret how she spent her cash. She had a great time. Good for her. I got one word, but I can't say it on Hey, at least she's not remorseful. I mean, yet, right? People kept saying I was stupid, pumped full of plastic surgery and needed my kids taken away. But the fact is, I spent it wisely and had a great time. Spent it wisely. I wish we could get a breakdown of what she spent this on. I mean, honestly. Well, the first thing she did was she took a 10-day trip to Dubai. Okay. Honestly, that's eight years. That's probably better than most. And she got a nose ring. I mean, no, honestly, I mean, I've seen people go through it in much quicker fashion. Then she had 30 pre-owned cars, 15 designer handbags as investments. Wait a second. $2.2 million can buy you 30 cars? Yeah. Well, depends on what kind of cars you're buying. Shoot. Eight 30, years though, later. That's an investment. The husband is gone, and the money is gone. But she still has the nose ring. Well, I hope she bought them in 2019, and she sold them last year, right? Yeah, smart decisions. But I'm sure that's exactly how it went, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it reminds me of something Brent put on my computer this morning. If you can't be a good example, then you'll just have to serve as a horrible warning. And that was a good story for that. So, uh, Jenny, your president has uh, taken away all our drilling in Alaska. So now U.S. gasoline prices have risen 60 cents this year because Saudi Arabia and Russia said, hey, we command the oil market and we're not going to do anything for you. Employment in oil and gas extraction is 15 percent lower than before the pandemic. How you doing with that? Is well, I'm sure we're looking to fill up the SRP very quickly with these prices. Uh, I don't know. I just Excuse I'm at a loss for words today. Listen, um, this makes me look forward to the progression planning <clears throat> that I'm doing for myself. We're going to be doing a webinar, a candid coffee, Saturday, September 30th at eight o'clock. Progression planning for a life well lived. Now. I understand this is a little bit of a word salad, but this is end of life planning. But I, 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 we're putting a different perspective on it, right? It's clearing emotional hurdles, communicating your wishes, documentation you need, steps to take, just the kind of reveting information you need on a Saturday morning. Because then that afternoon, you're going to work on your progression plan right after the kids' games. Right, Danny? Of course. <laughs> What do we got this morning? Dow down 26. You know, this market's been like the fish, that fish. Flounder? <laughs> Floundering. <laughs> it's 
so. <laughs> Brent loves my dad jokes. Danny's like, eh, I don't know about that flounder joke. That that sunk. That was that went right underwater. Um, I don't know. This could be a pretty frustrating month for the market, Danny. I mean, got to digest some of those gains we've had. It's nice to see Nasdaq maybe cool off a little bit. So it's just going to be the. It seems like it's rudderless, right? We have to see where what catalyst we're going to have as we go into maybe a uh, the the more favorable part of the season for the market in November. Yeah, I think I think people are waiting for, you know, fourth quarter that's historically a better part of the year. However, a lot of information that, like you said to digest. I mean, we're getting, you know, conflicting data with jobs numbers over the last 2 weeks. Uh had some revisions done which are pretty eye-opening. Um yep. and, and you know, that just makes you think what are the what are the what's the next revision that we see and how accurate are these numbers right now? You know, last week was uh showed that maybe the job market was a little bit looser than expected. This week, a little bit tighter. Um, I'm not sure the market knows exactly what to do. Now, with that being said, you know, we're just talking about short-term market trends right mm-hmm. now. And typically, September's decent after a poor August. Now, in general, September's been a little bit weaker month of the year. Yes. But um, maybe it's different. Who knows? I don't, I don't see any major catalysts in front of it, you know, that are going to say, hey, just bring it down unless we get something that we just don't know about. Or the Fed comes out and says, hey, we're going to continue to hike. But the chance of them hiking this next go around is like 93% probability that they don't do anything at all. Now, does that mean this is one of their pauses? Or what did they call it? They didn't even call it a pause last time. What they call it? They called it a, uh, was it a uh, reprieve for yeah, a month. Some kind of word. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who puts their stuff together. Oh, yeah. And to your point, I think it's all driven by <clears throat> the Fed. The latest numbers might show us that the Fed will wait. Although it is concerning that I do think that inflation is starting to tick up. We're actually seeing energy prices up. So um, maybe they are in wait and see, data, more data dependent. And the data is working in their favor. It's just obviously slower than we've all anticipated, which again, that should be, that, 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 that story's out there, right? That's just this slow roll in these numbers, but it looks like it's, they're finally heading in the right direction. And as long as they're heading in the right direction, the Fed might be more data dependent and wait. Now, we start to see numbers go in the opposite direction. Now that's gonna be a problem. So the government shutdown. Danny, we always talk about this because this is looming again. Um, it's never really a big issue for markets, right? We always discount it. But I, again, see, I'm going with my gut on a lot of this stuff. I don't feel like this time might be a little different. Like, in other words, I really do think because of the division and because of how we've spent money, like this woman, like actually we could put the woman that spent that 2.2 million. Like I would, th- I would be more comfortable with her in our government than what's going on. She's an amateur on spending money. So do you think this time maybe, or just because there's a, there's a, you know, obviously election coming next year. Do you think that maybe this one lasts a little longer and there's more of a, a stand for reform and, putting the brakes on spending and let's let's shut it down everyone let's shut it down i don't know how serious 
maybe this one is going to be. I'm feeling in my gut that this might want this one might cause a little bit of a ripple through markets. So you mean the next potential yeah. budget yeah. discussion? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um because it's usually a non-issue for markets, right? I mean, it, markets usually it's a little speed bump. We go we we go through this exercise all the time. But I don't know if it's going to be that way. Well, they they raised the debt ceiling 79 times since 1960. I mean, it's right. something that they'll inevitably get to, but being that we're getting closer and closer to election time, I think they're, you know, we're going to see more contentious, you know, rhetoric going back and forth. So I, I don't I don't disagree, but I also think that you know, cooler heads will prevail. This will be addressed. And I think they have to because they don't want to be the ones on the other side of this saying, well, hey, look what these these idiots did, yeah. right? So the word of the day is flounder. Floundering. We'll be right. Not the guy from Animal House. Oh, man, that's just where I was going to go. I would have had you on some type of, yeah, the uh, pop culture. We'll be back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. I think it was Flounder with Dean Wormer in Animal House when he goes, when he's with, and the Dean goes, don't you have anything to say, young man? It looks like you have something to spit out. And he's like, what? <laughs> and throws up all over. Is Animal House kind of like what the Congress looks like on a regular basis? No, it's not that much fun at all. I don't know. I think Animal they House seem is to want a to keep heck getting... of a lot more fun. Yeah, I think these guys are having fun. I don't know if you can remake Animal House today. I mean, nobody wants to leave. Clearly, they're having some type of fun. Well, all I'm going to say is... Let the cards fall where they may. Energy prices, crude's up this morning. Brent crude, natural gas. Dow futures down 49. NASDAQ futures down 32. You know, this whole derailing of Apple with this China issue, I think might be overdone. We'll see how that works out today. Listen, I think a congestion here, I mean, a digestion of what we've seen and a sort of a consolidation of markets, I don't think is a bad thing. I think we work off some of the over, overbought conditions, especially for tech, right? Um, so even though you might feel frustrated as an investor as you go through this month because nothing is happening, uh, believe me, it, this digestion period, like you sitting down after a big Thanksgiving meal and just sitting there and letting things happen, I think investors are, are frustrated in general. I mean, I think that if you're not invested in just the overall broad index or very specific companies like we've talked about, the Magnificent Seven, and you have any type of diversification, quote unquote, in your portfolio, you, you you're hurt. probably frustrated. Yeah. You own bonds this are, year, you're frustrated. Yeah. Your returns are pretty dismal. Yeah. Um, I mean, in some cases, you might be at four or 5% overall, um, 6%, something like that. But you're not getting the numbers that you're seeing in the index, to Danny's point, because of the market cap weighting of the S&P. There's no right-minded advisor that is going to take all your money and place it into seven stocks no i I don't think that there's anybody that did particularly that but i do think there's people that will chase those trends however the issue will be is that you know you get caught on the wrong side of this so okay let's say that 
you know, you're all in tech right now. Mm-hmm. But what if you were all in tech last year? Listen, last year you probably couldn't have gotten anybody in tech. You know what I mean? Like last year where everything was getting trashed, that and nobody would have wanted it. That's the time you should have been buying it. Well, if you were uh, down, if you were all in tech last year, down 30%, you have to no, make I'm 42 is, just say, to get back to even. No, I think that's what right. most people have a difficult time understanding is that right. And at the beginning of the year, if you'd have called everybody and said, hey, we're going to go in all tech here and not just tech, these specific companies. I don't think you could have made an argument for it at the time anyways, but what would most people do or say? They're like, no way, I'm not touching that. So it is it is a very exactly. tough psychological year. And I think the markets have been interesting over the last several years. We haven't had this big run that we historically see within bull markets. You know, We haven't seen this big secular bull market, so to speak. It's been... You know, we get a year, then we get a down year, or kind of a flat year, then we get a good year, then we get another one. Even in 2020, after the pandemic, you know, we saw markets change really rapidly. You know, big decline back in, in February, March with the, mm-hmm. with the COVID, the pandemic. And then, you know, from there, we saw things run up. But a lot of that even then was, you know, Reddit meme stocks, companies that most people didn't have any business buying. Let's put it this way. I'm glad we do the planning we do the way we do it. That shows that over the next decade, and I started, we started this in 2019, that it's going to take longer or your returns are going to be frustrating. Listen, if you're in the S&P, right, in 2022, what was the peak of the S&P? Like 4,800? Yeah, what are you at right now, 4,400? Yeah. Right? So go back one, two years and see what kind of returns you've gotten in the market. So as cycles elongate, you're going to see lower returns just based on valuations. It's just math. So this volatility, this whipsawing is something we built into our planning so that, because this is what we've been expecting. And I, when I did this in 2019, I did it in 2003, I did it in 2012, I've readjusted forward-looking returns for asset classes. I, I sort of look stupid for a year or two. But we have to prepare clients adequately for this. And make sure that they understand that they might be in for a headwind for returns on a longer-term basis, on a year-to-year basis. Listen, nobody remembers, Danny, what the market did last year. No one's going to look back and say, oh, well, the S&P didn't even make it back what it's lost. No, no one's going to talk about that. It's just like, what have I done this year? Like, like it's in a vacuum regarding the longer-term trend of how things look. I think if you look at what um, – a 60-40 portfolio over the last three years, it might be up, what, 3%? Yeah, Annualized? Yeah. I mean, that that's maybe those are the kinds of returns that you need to expect over the next decade. Yeah, Even I though from not. year to year, you might look like a superstar or a jerk. It, it's The longer-term trend is going to be what's going to hurt you or help you in, in, your, mar- in your markets for the returns you need to hit your goals. So you better be planning realistically, everybody. That's what I'm saying. Don't be buying this bucolic, oh, I'm going to get 10% a year for the rest of my life in a 60-40 portfolio. It's not going to happen with valuations. No, it's the way never happened on that portfolio. So, and if it does happen and you prepare adequately and people are still nuts, well, you'll have more money to spend. That's a great conversation to have with you as opposed to, well, I know Bucky's is hiring, yeah, which is fine with me. I'm happy to go there. But- 
you don't want to be telling somebody sitting across the desk as a professional and say to somebody, you know, I thought you were going to make it, but based on the market returns, we needed these pristine market returns to get you to your goal, but that didn't happen. So now something has to change. You're going from a 4% withdrawal rate to two. Or can you work part-time? Do you need to spend so much? Well, this is a fine how-do-you-duty. <laughs> and Brent's like, take the radio away from him right now. Uh, take that mic away. So I'm saying you got to prepare realistically. You got to. Did you see healthcare premiums, what they're going to be going up for? And you're getting your package for enrollment in your company plan. Did you see where healthcare premium is going to be up at least 6%? Yeah. This year? Well, and on average, I think they're going up, what, 5.3? We've 5. got it 4. at like 5.5. Yeah. So this year, 6%. <clears throat> so companies are going to be passing a lot of that on to you. We're not even talking about that as far as the financial distress you're feeling over inflation. We're not even talking about what your enrollment package is going to look like and what costs are going to be going higher for you in that sense. This is the biggest jump in years, 6.5% or higher in health plan costs. This is according to major con benefits consulting firms, Mercer and Willis Towers Watson. This is, as they're saying, this is a Wall Street Journal article. Um, it's much worse than we've seen over the last decade said Elizabeth Mitchell, chief executive of the Purchaser Business Group on Health. It comes out of wages and core business. The employer plan increases are expected to strike businesses of all sizes, and regardless of whether they rely on an insurer to handle their health care coverage or self-insured. And employers are expected to take the lion's share of the increase because the labor market's so tight. But eventually that's going to slip. And they got all kinds of stories about small businesses that are getting hit with a 24% health coverage increase, 20%. So that is something we're not calculating into what's going on along with stubborn inflation rates. Also, what's going to be happening when you get your enrollment package for the new year? Well, I mean, employers are getting hit. I mean, you think about what's going on with, with that, with healthcare coverage, with just the cost of keeping employees it's become so much more expensive to employ somebody, but then you got to think what happens in, you know, two and a half years or less when we see this tax code change and taxes go back up for small businesses and business, businesses in general. Now they're getting hit even harder, right? We've grown accustomed since 2017 to this Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Mm -hmm. People are going to have to start preparing now. Yes, Absolutely. Because these marginal rates that have been so generous, 22, 24% rates are going to squeeze down. And some of these things are going to change. So your tax rates are going up. Healthcare expenses are going up. And we also know when, because people who listen to this show are smart or in the YouTube channel, know that just because inflation might be at 3.2 or 4 or whatever the PCE is, that's just the rate of change on a higher plateau. Those prices that are higher are now going higher, just not at the same speed. So um, I think that's an important point because a lot of people do have questions like, 
Well, hang on. I'm not, nothing's getting any well, you might cheaper. Want, you might want to talk for the economist of the White House. He doesn't really understand that. No, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not sure any of them actually truly understand this, unfortunately. That's why we're in such a problem. But <laughs> I think the issue that most people need to understand is that, listen, if inflation goes from 9 or 6 to 3, that doesn't mean we're going backwards. It right. just means it's slowing down. That's it. And which is still good. So we have disinflation, not deflation. Um, you know. Yeah, the rate of pace, the rate of change is slowed down because we can't. You know, the companies keep, don't have the pricing power um, that they did before. So, so what happens when you continue to see this higher? I mean, there's inflation, right? Inflationary pressures mm-hmm. within healthcare. You're seeing inflation with you know wage growth. They said automobile insurance coverage is up over probably 17 percent. Yeah. Over the last two years. But but think about all the different things that, that employers are getting hit with. Not me, oh, yeah. everybody, right? Consumers as well. What what happens from there? Well, if the labor market's tight, the problem is it's going to eat into margins for co- bigger companies, right? It's going to eat into your profits because you can't pass too much on to the employees. But there's going to be a point where they're going to have to share in the pain. That's, and that's where I worry about what the Fed will absolutely do, even though they're going to pause now. I think they're ready to pull the trigger again on another rate hike if they have to. They're going to keep their options open. When we get up, when we get back, um, we're going to talk a little bit about pre-Medicare planning, right? Healthcare costs are expensive. What if you're going to retire at 62 or 63? What are you going to do for healthcare? When we get back, we're going to talk about that. Stay tuned. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com me and mrs roberts i got you mrs roberts I'm cutting the tops of all those darn things. I cannot get those packages open. It's laundry detergent, cheese, whatever has that darn Ziploc that says, it's easy to open. And you press it and you pull and nothing happens. And it comes off. It's the worst. It is the worst. Anything that requires the jaws of life to get into, I'm not buying it. I mean, it's supposed to be easy, like you press down and you pull. And you press down and you pull, and the package is still closed. And then you press it and you pull, and then you get angry and you keep pulling, and then you got the thing in your hand. And then you get the scissor and you cut it. Slash it. So angry. And the Tide Pods get that open. Yeah. You know, if kids are going to work that hard to eat them, enjoy them. You know what the greatest invention is? The pull tab top on canned goods. The second just hear that. Tried to open a can of beans last night with an old school can opener. Did not happen. Really? Couldn't get into it. Tried two different can openers to get into it. You're like Geraldo trying to get into like Capone's vault. Yeah. (laughs) Except you had something in there. It was awful. 
So what you mean? So the of course it's so vacuum sealed. You're talking about the pull tab. You couldn't get it open. It's just a hard can to get into. So I I told my wife if there's it a, doesn't have a there's pull a country tab on song it. in there in yeah. it somewhere. Hey. A, it's a hard can to get into. Listen, guys, you're just that much closer to not performing activities of daily living. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean I am. You've got I, one down. Okay, uh, eating. Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna work on you know. Gonna I'm gonna be watching YouTube. You better get those long-term care Goodness policy. Gracious. Extra assistance needed now. And then I look like like Jason. From the horror sh- from Friday, because I'm stabbing the darn thing. <laughs> I I am like, you know what? If it's this childproof, if your child needs this kind of proofing, <laughs> you got a problem. How hungry are you that you can't do this properly from the get go? Not that hungry because I'm starving by the time. I mean, I, I mean, sometimes I give up. Well, that may be part of the problem. You're hangry already to begin yeah. with. That, that, I think that may be the You issue. should be able to press down and pull, and it opens. Yeah. That's how it should. Easy. Press. Slide it along the top. It opens. No. You st- it's a tease. You press it. You slide it. And it's still closed. Or you can't get it to close. Once you've opened it, you need to seal it back up. No, and go ahead try and try going again, the other way once you do. Go pops ahead. Open all I the dare time. I, I dare. think that's more frustrating than, yeah. than me. But either way, it's not working. So what, what? do you do? You go get a Ziploc bag then and no. put it in the Ziploc bag? You so you're doing the same thing? You use a scissor and you get one of the clips and you clip it. Or, get one of those or saran clips. wrap. Just wrap or it in saran, saran wrap. wrap. Yeah. It's a really, it's it a sad. too efficient to me. Sad state of affairs. Well, I'm glad we got this cleared up. The important issues we address here daily on this show. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, hey, you're, there's your multi-billion dollar idea. Create something that is easy for jaw of Brent, life. Lance, and the, Richard to open. The jaw of freshness. No, Lance obviously doesn't have a problem. He's so special. He doesn't cry like a little girl when he's got to open that door. This is, this is what happens when you age in place, guys. Well, he knows karate. <laughs> yes, it does. We're aging in place right here in the studio. Oh, You're witnessing man. it right here. Really, it's a shame. Gordon hit it, though, on, on the YouTube chat. What do you say? Rheumatoid arthritis. That's the problem. Oh, well, I don't have that. I still can't open it. Stand by. What do you do? You, not much. That affects your brain? It affects your hands. Your hands. You're not gonna I know. To... I'm joking. That's why you gosh. can't operate a Ziploc. It's because you've got arthritis. <laughs> My gosh. Someone who can figure out that issue is going to be worth a lot of money. Speaking of a lot of money, if you're going to retire before Medicare age, and some people have the daring gall to do it, they're doing proper planning. They're trying to figure out what is the health care bridge cost to get to Medicare, right? So very expensive, especially if you're going to go into the marketplace, right? Um, maybe you get on a spouse's coverage. So it takes careful planning, but guess what? You have to plan before you go on Medicare, too. So pre-Medicare planning is important. So we have a lot of clients that start pre-Medicare planning. Maybe six months, six to eight months before they're ready to go um, so that they understand that even though Medicare is some way to control your health care expenses because you're going to know what your premiums are, um, that you still need to prep. And these are some rules that are one of the great resources we use for Medicare planning because our firm does. We do not hide from Medicare planning. We hug it. We embrace it because you need it. 
First is your doctor may not accept Medicare. That is a caveat to watch for. And I, so Danny, I think this is more prevalent with Medicare Advantage, which is the all, which is Medicare Part D, which covers pretty much everything. With in the next uh, Part C, Part C, sorry, not Part D, the drug coverage. But when is it? October. We're going to start to see all our favorite stars come on TV. Joe Namath, Jimmy J.J. Walker, William Shatner, talking about the beauty of Medicare Advantage because it's going to be open enrollment. But guess what? If you don't have a Medicare supplemental policy or Medicare even in general, your doctor may not accept Medicare. That's something you do need to research, right? And the doctor in your Medicare Advantage might not be in your plan's network. So if you have strong feelings about keeping your doctor, you're going to need to understand this and ask those questions before you sign up for a Medicare Advantage plan, especially. And well, again, even if you're going to original Medicare, yeah, either you want to check to make sure your doctor accepts it. Well, visit with a client this week, actually, and they, they were at Kelsey Siebold. Um, uh-huh. And Kelsey Siebold offers their own Medicare Advantage. They're pretty closed, plan. right? In other words, you it have is. to go to Kelsey. So, yeah. I mean, basically, if he gets on a reg- original Medicare, he will not have the ability to, to continue to use Kelsey Siebold because they don't take original Medicare. But you get on their Medicare Advantage, no worries. Now, the issue with that is that closed network, yeah. primarily, there's some reciprocity with some other institutions, but primarily you are at Kelsey Siebold. Um, the other issue would be is that let's say you get some type of condition. Mm-hmm. Now you can't get back to original Medicare to have more open format for, for healthcare. And well, you need referrals versus, oh, yeah. you know, not with, with Medigap. I mean, so there's some very big differences. And so one thing I think that a lot of people think is like, well, I'm healthy now. Well, that's great. But what if you're not later? And, you know, they, they kind of persuade us and um, incentivize people because they say, look, you're not going to have any premiums. They're going to be very, very low. Um, but what happens is, is that that may be fine and dandy for the next five years, 10 years. What happens when you do get some type of illness and hopefully you never do, but let's be realistic. Most people are going to contract or get something over time. I think that's where, you know, we need to be thinking, you know, I think that most people don't think that far enough in advance because it's not put out there in black and white. Unfortunately, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of opaque. It's very vague. Right. So when you're coming across that Medicare decision, not only if your doctor accepts Medicare, Medicare Advantage is even more of an issue. And to step back and what Danny is saying, too, is when you first enroll, when you're eligible, say you're not covered by an employer plan or you're going to retire. You have a window. To purchase Medigap, which is supplemental, because when you get Medicare, you are buying Swiss cheese. You've got a lot of holes that need to be filled. And that's where supplemental insurance comes in. The, one of the benefits of Medicare Advantage is it's just so easy. I've got everything covered. I've got my prescriptions covered. I, I might get a nice Fitbit. Um, I have maybe vision. I've got dental. I've got all of this stuff. And I may not even have a, a premium. Uh, but my out-of-pocket could be exorbitant. And what if I want some kind of special treatment outside the network? I may not get it. So or we, you, you, you do you do have an illness and it takes a while for you to get the referral for you to get into the next place. I mean, it takes a while, right. Sometimes that's not something that we want. Now I get it. There are people that just, it's a cash flow issue. And you may just say, Hey, this is, I, something's better than nothing. I need to get so this. I understand your guy there from 
Kelsey Seabold. And there's nothing wrong with Kelsey Seabold. I go no. there for one of my doctors, and I think it's great. I, I would like to have more choice, though. So in other words, if I have an illness, a serious illness, and I want to get a second opinion outside of the Kelsey Seabold circle, I want to go to Methodist or somewhere else, I, I guess I would have to pay for that. Like, yeah, in other words, I'm not, yeah. Yeah. Because everything is going to happen within that within that group. And that's what you have to remember with Medicare Advantage. Many of those plans are set up that way. I'm pretty sure Memorial Hermann has its own. And so you have to remember also that if what if you travel somewhere and there isn't a Kelsey Seabold? What do you do then? It's out of pocket. So um, Medicare or Medigap coverage, when you first enroll in Medicare, that Medigap coverage, if you have a pre-existing condition, it doesn't matter. You're able to sign up for Medicare. If you get in during in, your enrollment period. During the enrollment period. You, while you go on a Medicare Advantage first to save money, and then to Danny's point, two years down the road, oh gosh, I've got this cancer, and I don't really want to go to this. I want to go somewhere else for this treatment. Get a second opinion. I want to switch out of Medicare Advantage during the open enrollment. I want to go to back to original Medicare or Medigap. Guess what? I have a pre-existing condition. Probably not going to be able to do Well, that. and that's something I think we need to talk about on the other side of this break. Okay. That what if you've retired, you get on Medicare, then you go back to work, and you're offered health insurance. What do you do? Huh. Ooh. Let's talk about that when we return. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So the U.S. Open semifinal was delayed by a climate protester who glued his feet to the ground. Oh, so my, these guys my, are getting more and more creative, Rich. My perspective is, why don't you just leave him there? If you're going to glue yourself to something, let's see how long you can last. We'll check back with you after the in about six months. Let's see how things are going. So it, it could be like a new form of one of those survival shows. Climate protesting and afraid, as opposed to naked and afraid. Survival activist. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to glue yourself to a, you know, a Van Gogh, wig and a Van Gogh, and we're, we'll check on you in about six months. We'll see how you're doing. That'll teach you. So that was at Arthur Ashe Stadium. So that only 30 minutes. You would think it would take longer to cut him off at the ankles <laughs> and leave the feet there. <laughs> Somebody had a really good buzzsaw to take care of that. Great health care. 
What was his name? Stumpy? <laughs> He's got a shirt on that says, End Fossil Fuels. Be Fred Flintstone. No, poly- I added that. Polyester shirt. And if you have no feet, you can't drive your car if you're Fred Flintstone. <laughs> so keep that in Keep that in mind. So, um, and then Medicare Advantage is absolutely not going to sew your feet back on. So that's a problem. So we were talking about that, and we were saying there's this enrollment period. And the, listen, there are multiple enrollment periods based on if you're working or not, 20 more employees, the company has 20 more employees, do you sign up for Part A? Listen, it's, a, it's an alphabet soup. You need an advisor to help you through who understands the process. Because if you miss your open enrollment and you haven't done it in a year, you get penalized. And these pen- penalties are permanent. But what were you saying, Danny, about the uh, going back? So say I'm really upset. I don't like my Medicare Advantage plan. Screw you, Will Shatner. And I'm going to go back to original Medicare, right? Which means I'm going to go from Medicare Advantage to Medicare A and B, which is your base coverages. Are your base coverages so well you get your one guaranteed coverage period and that's going to be either your general enrollment your special enrollment period that you mm-hmm. need to make sure that you take advantage of and so when you get that pre-existing condition you may not you're, 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 you can't even talk you're going to go back through underwriting and at that point right they're going to underwrite you they may they could decline you yes your premiums could be sky high i mean there's a number of things that can happen here but ideally we want to make sure that you don't have to go back through that now what i was mentioning just before the break was if you go back, let's say we have a lot of people that retired mm-hmm. and sometimes they say, you know what? I'm going to go back and contract or I may go back full time. Right. They said, what do we do? Should we get off so Medicare? What, so what you're saying is now I'm 65, 66 or whatever. And I, and we see this happen all the time, right? Yeah. I'm going to go back to work. I don't like this retirement thing. This isn't for me. Like I know it's not for me. I, I don't think I could do it. I've had a couple of uh, people just did this. Really? Yeah. So now the dilemma is wait a minute, I have an employer now and I'm going to have an employer plan, but now I'm on Medicare. Is that what you're, is that what you mean? Correct. So they're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to drop Medicare, get on the health insurance plan. It's like, whoa, hang on. Let's talk about this. And because if they drop Medicare, now they don't have that guaranteed enrollment period where they don't have to undergo underwriting. Mm -hmm. So you know, what, what we did in a couple of these cases said, hey, go back to the employer and say, listen, I'm not going to take your health care. Yeah, we talked about this. I remember one case give, we talked yeah, about. Mm-hmm. I'd, like, I'd like a bump. Can you give me a little bit of a raise? Yeah, because I'll set I, this. Yeah, because I can't go back and do this because then I don't get my, my yeah. Correct. And I think, I think one, it worked, a couple didn't. But, I mean, you know, hey, it's always worth a shot. It is. But don't go just jump off, get back on that healthcare plan if you're already on Medicare because now you don't have that guaranteed coverage period and that can be really detrimental. So we want to make sure that, you know, you're still going to be mm-hmm. eligible for coverage. You're not going to pay through the through the roof or be declined for that matter. Now, I'm a new employee. I might feel hesitant to ask, but I don't think there's a problem. Danny and I talked about one of these cases and I said, well, think we, just, we just did the story about how expensive Healthcare is mm-hmm. right, and how the employer is going to absorb it in a tight labor market. Maybe you have some additional leverage to say, "I, you know, I'm on Medicare already, so I don't need your health benefit. Maybe I could get a little bit something extra in my paycheck. You never know. 
it's cheaper than health care insurance for that one employee. So I don't think it hurts to ask in a polite manner. Um, maybe there's another perk that you can get because you're on Medicare. And I think that more employees are going to have to consider this, Danny, because I think this age of this ageism thing, unless you're totally noodles in the brain, um, we want older workers. If you're 66, you're not old. And I, I, cannot, I cannot tell you how it drives me wacky, crazy doodle when someone who is 66, 67 says, I'm old. I can't do that. I'm old. I'm old. I'm like, listen, you're as old as how's your health? How's your mental acuity? Are you active? Don't sell yourself short. So you have a lot of older Americans, but they're still sharp. They still stay active. They want to go back to work. So as an employer, I might think, you know, I might have some older employees here, and if they're going to get their coverage through Medicare, one, at least I don't have to absorb that cost when they are out, but maybe I can do something a little bit extra for them. Yeah, it never hurts to ask. And keep in mind, this is the example we're giving you right now. Somebody who actually yeah. retired, got on Medicare, then decided to go back to work. Now, you could be 66 years old and be working, go from one creditable plan to the next, and still keep that in other words, you didn't leave. Yeah. Yeah. You're still you're still you're, on creditable right. plans. So no big deal in that instance. But if you stop, you get on Medicare, then getting off, you lose that you lose that guaranteed period. So be cautious with that. But yes. contact, you know, if you have questions on this stuff, go to realinvestmentadvice.com, go to ask a question. Happy to give you guys some thoughts or help. Um, or there's there's many resources out there, but just make sure you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's when it comes to this, because this is one thing we yes. don't want to screw up with the cost of healthcare in general, I mean, it's through the roof. It so is, it is. And these are important decisions. And frankly, it's confusing. Medicare is confusing. Like one of the, one of the things you got to keep aware, keep in mind is if you're working for an employer and it's not to Danny's point where I left, but I'm still working for a creditable coverage. I have 20 more employees, which means I don't have to get on Medicare and I contribute. And Danny, and I well, Danny a little bit more. He's got a little fixation with the HSA health savings account that, He's got a little problem. He's got a, That's as a, a boy, one. instead of having a poster like Farrah Fawcett over his bed, he had a poster of the HSA bank. That That's just what he did. It, it's his thing, okay? When, on his honeymoon, he visited the HSA bank. Michelle wasn't happy about that. So I'm saying, if you, <laughs> if you don't have to go on Medicare, and like I, I had a case with a client the other day. She goes, well, you know, I should go on Medicare Part A because that's free. I said, well, you're, you, gotta, you work for a big organization. You're 67 years old. You work for a big organization. Are they telling you to do that? I, I talked to my benefits administrator, and they said, it's no big deal. I don't have to. I said, but you're contributing to your HSA, your health savings account. You're maxing that out, right? Mm -hmm. We're, we're going to build that up over time and touch it in retirement. We're going to leave it alone like a, like a healthcare retirement account, like a 401k for healthcare. And she, and she goes, yeah. I says, then what if you sign up for Part A, what happens? If she does sign up for Part A, yet she's a great saver in the HSA, what happens, Danny? Yeah, so I mean, you, you actually need to stop that six months prior to mm -hmm. contributing to or getting on Medicare, because then those contributions can be disqualified. So essentially, you null and void the, the tax benefits that you get within that HSA. 
So make sure that if you have an HSA and you're about to get on Medicare, now sometimes this is just unplanned. Maybe you're let go. But when it happens, be cautious because if you can plan for this, we want to stop those contributions six months prior to you, you know, hanging it up and getting on Medicare. And if you have to make a choice between the HSA and going on Part A, it's the HSA. Oh, you yeah. do the HSA, unless your employer says, listen, you have to do this, right? And if, so you don't have to back out. If you have to, then you're going to have to back out some of those contributions. And there's going to be a 6% over-contribution penalty. Every year, the contributions and the investment earnings remain in the account. So to me, the HSA funding, Danny, is always a priority over Part A if I am not if it's just my choice and not my employer saying, listen, you should be on part A. Yeah, I agree. 110%. So, so keep in mind, HSA, what we're talking about is a health savings account. You have mm -hmm. to be on a high deductible health insurance plan, which many more employers are offering. You can't put a ton of money into it. So individual, you can put 3850 um, a year mm -hmm. for a family. You could put 7750 $7,750. Um, but Best account in the world. It's the only account that's going to grow, give you triple I tax told benefit. I you about the HSA bank poster. Yeah, you I know see. it. Hey, yes. got one in the office too. So <laughs> it, it, you know, funds grow, go in tax-free. You're going to have tax-free growth. And use them for medical expenses. You're going to pull those out tax-free. And we know how much it costs for medical and medical well health care just medical premiums um expenses in retirement well over three hundred thousand yeah. dollars for a couple the other day danny said he was mad at his kids i said why he says because they're not contributing to an hsa i said they're kids they don't have one that's no excuse he says no excuse none <laughs> gotta start them young rich start them young roth everything get them started listen we love being with you here today lance back on monday we'll see you next week take care have a good weekend